0: for the drive with mark
3: ennis presented by the fitness market on 93.9 the ville the fitness market is louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes find them online at the fitnessmarket.com now here's mark ennis and luke hancock Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Luke Hancock. The phone lines are open here for the final hour. You are welcome to react to one, anything from last night with Louisville losing uh, in kind of a weird way that didn't make anyone particularly mad today. Luke, I don't know how else to describe it. I haven't really seen the anger that has been there for so many other games this year. Haven't seen very much of that today from folks, and I don't know maybe why that is.
2: Well, I, I think that the expectations are low, to be honest. And I yeah. think that, uh, again, this month has been a very pleasant surprise. I know nobody's going to look at it and say, man, they've won two games. That's, that's not great, right? I, obviously, it's not great, but they've competed in every game except Pittsburgh. And I just think that is such drastic improvement from where we were at the beginning of the season where they got hit in the mouth and they just laid down on the mat and had no opportunity to get up. They didn't fight. They didn't look like a together group. They looked totally dejected. You know, if you're in the camp where, hey, I'm so out with this team and I'm so out with KP, I don't care about anything, well, you're waiting till the end of the season. But if you've stuck with this crew, if you were in the Yum Center cheering and it was it was loud, man, the environment was awesome on Saturday. It was a lot of fun. If you were a part of that, I think it's become... This has got to be the easiest way to put it, Mark, and just if I'm crazy, let me know. But the easiest way to put it, I've had fun watching this team compete in every game this month except one. You know, they've made it entertaining. They've had a chance to win late. And for you to go from, this is absolutely brutal to watch, to, man, these guys are competing. It looks like they care. It looks like they're giving everything they have. I'll take it. And I think that's where fans are. It's like... As long as you guys are competing and you're not just getting smacked in the mouth and losing by 40, we can live with that. And I mean, that's not a great place to be, but you have to make it relative to the situation. I think this team has come leaps and bounds. And if you don't think they're playing basketball, better basketball, excuse me, I don't think you've been watching.
3: Yeah, I think it's a combination of things, Luke. I think what you said is absolutely true. I think people recognize they are playing better. And I'll just give the disclaimers like you kind of did, and I'll do it too. No one is saying this is okay. No one's saying it's got to be this way. No one's lowering a standard. No, like, no one's doing any of that stuff. We're just recognizing earlier this year when you watched them play, you, you kind of were justified in, in perhaps being afraid, hey, not only is this not very good, I'm not sure the people in charge totally know what they're doing. It doesn't look like that now. Right. It doesn't. This was, okay, this wasn't good enough, but if they did some here, you know, this or that different, or if they just had maybe this or that piece added in, maybe it would be different. Guys, we weren't even having anywhere close to those conversations earlier in the year, and we are now. And and that's, it would have done Kenny a world of good for it to have always kind of been this way uh, this season. So he's sort of on the hook for that. But it has been better, and that's helped. And I also think Josh – going on with Blankenbaker last week ahead of your 2013 celebration and saying, look, we don't – 500. Who's talking about 500? That's not good enough. Like, to hear them at least say, like, hey, we're going to hold people's feet to the fire here. For the, We're not going to just let this go, uh, and we're not unaware of how it's going. I think it did help people be like, all right, well, then I knowing that they're, you know, they're not sort of lowering the bar here, I'm, I can carry this along for a couple more games.
2: Yeah. I got a couple um these were some good texts and we kind of just talked for the last hour or so so I want to revisit a couple of these and, and see your opinion. The first one um they said they understand if I have to answer this diplomatically but would love to know LL's thoughts or thoughts on LS's dunk at the end of the Clemson game. <laughs> um first things first, I've said this before. I don't have to answer diplomatically. Yeah. You know, I I don't. I'm not none of those guys are paying me like I don't care. I hated that he did that. I hated it. You've won four games this season. I want to say, act like you've been there before. Maybe that's the old school coach in me. They haven't been there very often. You're beating a good team in Clemson. You don't know what happens with trash talk and guys beating up on each other, but when a team concedes the way Clemson did at the end and you go do that, everyone remembers. And not just Clemson, but everybody is going to watch You do that, and it's an extra level of motivation. And I'll just bring up a quick story. The only time this has ever happened to me, and the only time ever was like, yeah, I would do it again in that situation, I'm playing SMU at SMU. They hadn't lost a game at home the whole year. It was their senior night. Met President Bush on the uh, court side right before the game. Packed house, and we were up maybe 10, 12 points at the end of the game. I dribbled it across half and kind of doing the – I'm just going to dribble the clock out thing. Kind of turn, and I can't even remember who it was, but smacks me, ball pops out, and he goes like he's going to get a layup. Well, I'm not just going to let you get a layup, especially not in that situation. So I chase him down. He tricks the layup off the backboard and misses. I get the rebound. There's like six seconds left in the game. At that moment, there is nothing anybody could have done That wouldn't have made me come down and shoot a shot, try and get to the rim. If it had been wide open, I would have dunked it and put my feet on the backboard. (laughs) Now, luckily, I cross half court and make a little move, go past one guy, get in the three point line, and it's two on one. And the guy on the block, my teammate, his defender steps up to me and he gets about to the free throw line. So I throw a nice little drop bounce pass. I'm very fortunate to have played with Montrezl Harrell because he dunks the basketball so hard it hits off the ground and shoots into the student section as the buzzer expires. And he and I have a lot of choice words for SMU and to remember that whooping we just gave him, and we were very fired up. I think that that is basically the only situation where you go score at the end of the game after you've tried to concede and they won't do it, okay. But I got to be honest, I hate that L. Ellis did that like L. Ellis loved his game hate that he did that at the end of the game hate it the other one and I think this is more I think people will be divided a little bit on this but I think this is a great question um, and it has to do with we've kind of mixed these up it has to do with basically is this going to change the perception for people down the stretch here that they are playing better is it going to get people on board that hey KP, or at least more people on board, that hey, KP's got a plan. He's actually going to be able to get this done. Where, you know, things are looking up. And I'll tell you, well, Mark, why don't you answer that question first? What do you think about this stretch? Does it change your impression of what the offseason is going to look like? What the future with KP is going to look like?
3: Uh, it improves it a little bit uh, because I do think that it matters that they have the players have not checked out in the least and that you now. You know, the thing that we've been holding kind of over Kenny's head really all year, which is nothing seems to have gotten better over the course of a year, it's not true anymore. You know, it took too long to get there, and it hasn't improved enough. But we can't say anymore that that it hasn't improved in some places. Some players and some things that they do as a team are not improved. We can't say that anymore. So, I yeah, I, I think it helps because I think what, the big thing you were afraid of, Luke, when you got to the end of the year is that, if the problems are so fundamental that even like a massive um, injection of talent onto the roster wouldn't fix a coach who just doesn't seem to have a team organized or ready to go. You know what I mean? Like they'll just be a more talented team that underachieves. And I think the fact that you've gotten a more intense effort, a better effort, one that looks like the problem is is just uh, – Degrees and not kind. Yeah, I I think that this helps at the end of the year. I think he can more credibly say, like, "Look, if you just let me get some guys in here, what we've been doing at the end, you saw that it was it was good against the best of the league. That's what we're trying to be. Let me get some more guys in here who can do this on a day in day out basis. Then I I think it's a lot easier for people to believe that than it was when we had only seen non examples. I guess.
2: Yeah, it's about hope, right? It's about having some hope. That you're going to be able to go compete now the good thing is right they've won their two games they're starting to play better basketball things have looked much better the bad news is you've got three games left Hmm. and i think you have to continue it and it even gets worse because that last game in march march 4th saturday is in charlottesville against virginia and all Tony Bennett has to do is rewind the tape from the first game to get those guys so very fired up for that one. You know, it, it it's easy to see, hey, you didn't bring it. You weren't high level enough on the defensive end. Your offense wasn't good enough. Like, they're going to go back and watch that film last game of the regular season, and they're going to know, like, if we want to be a high seed in the N- ACC and NCAA tournament, this loss can't happen – they're gonna come out fired up you kind of have to the tough part with this team is you have to find a way to either beat georgia tech or it to be a super competitive game and show fight against virginia tech and virginia and that virginia tech virginia that that is a tough two-game stretch because virginia tech's gotten healthy and they're a team that can shoot the basketball that has lots of versatility can score easily 90 points in a game and then we know how good virginia is but i I think I'm with you right now up to this point. Like, yeah, people feel a lot better. The tough part is still work to do. The job's not done for at least to, to look at this situation through some rose-colored glasses and feel a little better about it, right?
3: You're, you're exactly right. And I think to, to whatever extent they play better in the last bit of this season, it all helps Kenny a lot to leave this season with a – a good taste in your mouth because if nothing, it gives some credibility to, you know, when people were calling in and saying like, Hey guys, you gotta be patient. He's building the culture and the turn the ball over, you know, 195 times in a game, you're like, well, this culture blows. I don't want this right now. Now you can at least see like you get to a game, even last night where they lost by 17, it still felt like all they needed was more of some things and less of some things. Not, they don't know what to do. Yeah. And that's a big
2: difference. Huge. Huge. Um, and I, I totally agree. I just – having some hope, right? I think that changes yeah. things dramatically. Um, somebody's and we're going to get these. Somebody said KP still has to go. I don't think you're going to get people out of that camp without something crazy going on until you get to the offseason. Yeah. And until – you know he he starts to bring in you know some guys that can make some of these changes that he's talked about. You know if it, the the job's not done right, like it's gonna get busy, it's gonna get it's gonna get tougher. The work is gonna be there as soon as season is over. Somebody messaged and said, do you care that uh, Clemson also did that last second dunk against Florida State? I just don't like it. If you don't need those points to firmly secure the game, no, I don't like the little Showtime dunk at the end. And and again, that's old school of me. You know I get it. Um but if if i was playing louisville and i was in clemson shoes um as L. ellis is coming back down hunter tyson had a couple words for him i think that guys on our team would have had more than a couple words for him i mean that's that's how i feel
3: let's get uh miguel in here who's been waiting miguel thanks for waiting buddy welcome into the job it's on your mind bud uh, thanks
0: guys um yeah so um i i'm with um mark i think you hit some really good points i mean um uh, so, I, so I was at the game Saturday night. It was so fun, you know. I'm so glad that uh, the 2013 team uh, really got the props, and it was such a fun atmosphere, you know. And it felt it just felt really good, mm-hmm. um, and I loved it. And you know, I was talking to friends afterwards and, and uh, watching last night's game uh, with friends, and I, one one buddy last night was like what if we're wrong, you know, after the first 10 minutes, he's like, what if we're all wrong about KP the whole time? And I was like, I personally don't think we are. Um, I I don't think that um, Saturday night, you know, nothing's changed for me in that regard. But um, at least, like you said, Josh coming on last week and saying, look, 500 is not acceptable. You know, it does give hope because uh, they are playing better. I agree with that. J.J. looks great. You know, L is out of his mind. You know, I mean, we still have such head-scratching, wide-open, like, we just give up layups. I mean, we just give up so many shots at the rim. It's ridiculous. So, defensively, I don't know what we're doing half the time. Um, But overall, there's an improvement. We actually look like a basketball team. And we actually look like they are playing the game last night it was just simply Duke was better they're just a better team they have better players but at least we weren't completely embarrassed you know we we played basketball um, but so everything starts as soon as the season ends man like with KP you know it is put up or shut up and it's like all right I'm not talking about some unknown unranked unrecruited Juco dude out of California like bring in some studs bring in some talent and let's see you actually be able to coach him up and if If you do it, wonderful, man. We're all in. But if not, then, you know, I love hearing what Josh had to say last week.
2: Thank you for the call. Yeah, appreciate the call. I mean, I think that the majority of the fan base is probably right there, Mark. What do you think?
3: Yeah, I think he's representative of a lot of people. They are eager to support it, but they're not going to support nothing. Uh, And the minute people have gotten even like a whiff of something to sort of get behind. I think they have rallied behind it. Uh, and now it's really Kenny's job to to not excel when the bar is this low, but to sort of get it back up where it was.
2: Yeah, I think that's a tough part. You know, improvement is probably not good enough. It's is where does your improvement take you? You know, if, if you're sitting where Clemson is right now next year, sitting where Pittsburgh is right now next year, you know, and you're right there, ready to to you know get that invite to the NCAA tournament. And you've had a solid year, and PittsKey's had a fantastic year. Clemson, most of the year, they've been a little little struggling lately. But yeah, I think people will accept that if you're in you know Florida State shoes and you go from four wins to you know whatever it is, twelve wins. That's that's not going to get it done.
3: No, no, and I think that there's there was a fear that I think persisted really like until last week that in the name of just sort of having to, to not admit that you maybe made a mistake, uh, that, that something far below what we're used to is going to be portrayed as some sort of major progress. And I think it was strategically smart and good for Josh to sort of shoot that down. Like, no guys, we're not, we're not doing that.
2: Yeah. I, I, think, I think so too. I think it helped. Um, I, I will say, I, I wanted to tell this story, I guess a little bit, um, I was at the practice and then reception, and, and I asked one of the assistant coaches just about the recruiting landscape and kind of how it's been since they got here. And if you remember timing wise right, I know everybody wants sure. to forget this, but the IARP stuff was still very much over their head when they first got here. So I just I asked the question like that. How has it been from the, the first few bits of, of being on campus and being a part of the program to now? And their answer was that it, things have gotten much easier. In their conversations, and I don't know if I was totally expecting that because I felt like there would be a little more ebbs and flows with with the answer, you know, right? Like you start the season, and some of our conversations are great. Like the I.R.P. stuff's behind us, and we don't have to worry about that, and the negative recruiting, and the assistant coach kind of talked about. Man, it's just gotten a little bit better and a little bit better because I don't think they're feeling that kids are as worried that you can't. Turn things around quickly because of just where we are with college basketball and I wanted to make sure I brought that up to you Mark just to get your thoughts I mean I agree you know initially and I've talked about this over the last few weeks when I was a, a transfer I wanted to go to the best academic situation possible and or I wanted to have a chance to win a national championship and so how do you win a national championship the answer is pretty obvious you have to make the NCAA tournament Right? So if you're a transfer and you're seeing, man, Louisville won four, five, six games, whatever it is, how can they turn it around quickly? I think the examples with Missouri and with Iowa State and with Kansas State and you know what Hubert Davis was able to do in his first year and Tommy Lloyd, and you can kind of keep going down the list, I think they'll have enough examples of that to where maybe it isn't crazy to think they'll have a little bit more momentum when they get one or two guys early on in the offseason – that they can really, you know, like they've been talking about, revamp this roster. What are your thoughts there, Mark?
3: No, I I said last – look, I agree with you. I said last week that the best thing that's happened to whatever we ought to do with Louisville basketball is Pittsburgh because if you are super negative and, you know, are, are just convinced Kenny's not the guy and uh, you're just delaying the inevitable, Pittsburgh is the – accountability example for you it's been done it's been done in this league it's been done by a coach that's beleaguered it's been done by you know like it's been done here's a pit team that's that's competing to win the acc after a uh, heavy turnover heavy uh portal activity uh they were not you know jeff capel was not popular at the end of last season and he was still able to get guys to come in and do it and you can hold kenny to that standard. and if you are somebody who wants people to hang in there you can point to Pittsburgh. It can be done. It can be done in this league. It can be done by a coach who didn't have a great year and who can't just like absolutely promise that they're going to make the tournament or whatever uh, because they're going to be that good. Like Jeff Cable couldn't do any of that, and he did. So like I, I no, I, I think that the the fact that Pitts having the year that it's having out of it, out of everybody is great for all of us because I think we can allow ourselves to envision a significant improvement next year it, even even want it expect it
2: yeah it's tough for me to, to talk highly about Pitt right now because of what jeff capel said about our crew uh after I his to last about that. loss but uh you know the revamp is there you just hope it doesn't take as many years to get there right you hope that right again it's about the the pillars of your program it's about those those key pieces and i i love what jeff wall said about some of, of his mentors in the coaching game and just hey if you have three players where you know what you're going to get from them you probably got a pretty good basketball team and I think we don't necessarily have that at Louisville now but it's like how do you position yourself for next year and your example with Pitt Jamarius Burton or Nike Sabandi and Nike's coming off the bench so it's, it's really JV he has been that piece that's brought this whole group together. That's held everybody accountable. That's there's been the guy to talk about the standards of pit basketball that everybody has to live up to. And it's been really impressive what they've done this year.
3: Can we just go there, Luke? Can we very quickly uh, and talk about what Jeff Capel had to say? We mentioned this yesterday. Uh, that him stating that, you know, one of the things that he doesn't like is that the ACC entertained at least a discussion about is the league down this year. And he said he saw that on the ACC network and that he didn't like it because he never sees that sort of discussion on the SEC or the Big Ten networks about their teams. And uh, in your honor, uh, I, I kind of thrashed him yesterday that that's not the point uh, of, of – honest analysis of what's going on, but also no one has ever left the ACC network after watching it and been like, they're probably not that good. Like no one, no one that, that no one has a more negative opinion about Pitt after watching the ACC network <laughs> than they did before nobody. Uh, but I also don't think ACC fans want what he's talking about. And I think SEC fans by and large do, but I, I don't think we as people who like ACC teams and root for them want Homerism because I don't think any of us like each other. Like AC, SEC schools, kind of feel like they're all kind of in this together, us against everybody else. Yeah, I, I don't, I, just, I don't, I don't think it appeals to people. I don't think it's the job of the network, and I didn't like that he said it.
2: Yeah, I, I think the SEC is just, um, you know, it's a weird group, man. It's like if if Auburn's not winning and Alabama is, go SEC, and I'm never really going to understand that. But to speak more to what Capel said about the ACC network not hyping them up enough and and basically not being supporters. If, if I tee up a question to say, I don't know, the bracketologist Joe Lenardi, and I say for whatever reason the metrics don't like the ACC, personally, I think with teams like Pitt and Clemson playing so well, it's added depth to the league. And you could potentially get seven, eight, maybe even nine teams in the NCAA tournament. How does this compare with the narrative across the country that the ACC's down when they can have dramatically more teams than they even had last year. Oh, by the way, last season, the team that got into the tournament last in Notre Dame beats Rutgers. They beat Alabama. And then they have one of the best games in the entire tournament against Texas Tech, coming yeah. from the play in spot. Duke, Carolina, obviously in the final four, and then Miami goes all the way to the Elite Eight. Now, I was screaming and yelling last year, but in our spring meetings, these coaches came out and they said, we need some cheerleaders to make teams like Wake Forest in the season they had last year on everyone's mind that come tournament time, they should be in. So when Jeff Capel makes these comments, I think he's telling on himself that he's not paying attention enough. Because hmm. if he just watched one part of one segment, maybe he got that opinion. But I got to tell you, Mark, for the last month six weeks plus i have been screaming and yelling about how good pittsburgh is how good clemson is how they are two of the most disrespected teams in terms of these metrics across the entire country and i've cited oklahoma oklahoma state texas tech where the metrics are with those teams even uconn uconn lost five straight games and went from first to sixth in net that like shouldn't even be allowed right (laughs) creighton loses six out of seven And it's like they barely move. And I just don't understand it. I've been screaming and yelling for this the entire time. But I will tell you, one of the producers from the show at ESPN, we get sent these uh, quotes basically from from Jeff Capel, kind of ragging on the ACC network and saying we're not doing good enough of a job. He immediately, I'm talking within two minutes, sends me 16 straight minutes of on-air footage from two different shows those would have been hour shows so they get 16 minutes in an hour and 20 minute show plus right cuz they're in different segments about how great Pittsburgh is about how Nike Sabandi comes out and says Jeff Capel should be ACC coach of the year which right after that I co-sign and say many other people are going to co-sign that because of the great job he's done I do a 4 minute video illustrating why the the Pittsburgh offense and defense has been so great why they're such a connected together group, why that toughness and grittiness works. Then I go into they've swept Carolina, they beat Virginia, they beat Miami, they beat NC State. I go into all the great things that they've done, and I've said, you know what? This is what the metrics are missing. A recency bias makes sense. Don't get me wrong. The games in November should certainly count, but isn't it about the type of basketball you're playing in March versus the type of basketball that you're playing in november right aren't we worried about the ncaa tournament isn't that where where you know jim Beheim says it the big 10 sucks they haven't won in forever you know i was uh, 2000 2001 with mateen cleaves and michigan state is their last national championship and i've said this on air many times so i gotta be honest mark i was not happy about that Uh, i've got it clipped up i'm just gonna at jeff capel after the show and say hey man I don't know if you've been watching us enough if that's really your opinion and I went out of my way to find him after they absolutely thumped Louisville at Louisville and said man your team is playing awesome and your group is so tight and so together that toughness you can just see it start to finish love your group great game went out of my way to go tell him that so bottom line guy's not watching the show and it's not just us either because bald men on campus comes on late and that's you know, LaFonso Ellis. I don't know the name Jay Billis. Ring any bells? Seth Greenberg. And they spent another five-minute segment that they had sent to me about how great Pitt is right now and how disrespected they are in terms of the metrics. It's like if you are going to take shots, take your shots, but not for the people that have been supporting you all season long. It just doesn't make sense.
3: It was it was an odd, odd uh, thing for him to say, and I I am of the opinion, Luke, like I I don't think you ever. Have to like persuade people that you're good. Like, I just really don't, and I've like is a kind of a misplaced lashing out from him that Pitts maybe still in this position. It's certainly not the fault of anybody who's watched any amount of time on the ACC network.
2: I mean, the the only thing that I think I could get crushed for a little bit is I'm probably a little too easy on teams that aren't playing great. You know, I, I always think like I'm I'm not you know hold. Uh, to any accountability with wins and losses if I think a team's going to play well and I say that in the pregame and they turn around and stink who cares right my job is not wins and losses I analyze the action and I get to be a cheerleader for the ACC so I've been incredibly positive on Pitt for years past even though they've not been very good but I've gone out of my way many many times to talk about in particular Pitt and Clemson because they've really overperformed in terms of expectations this year and I just like we've been cheerleaders and rah rah and the depth of the league is so much better than it's been in years past over and over again caught me off guard and I'll be honest with you it's kind of upset me yesterday and today
3: well let's go ahead and take uh, our last break here we'll come back we'll put a bow on all of this on the drive on Nathanville Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition and I didn't believe it Right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now here's Mark Ennis and Luke Hancock. Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Luke Hancock. The phone lines are open. If you want to try to jump in here, you can. 8150-939-3831-939 for the UPS Jobs text line. You are welcome to uh, to join us that way as uh, well here uh Luke we didn't really get to have much of a discussion at least uh at this point uh about players uh you've seen perhaps um emerge that maybe you didn't you weren't sure about earlier in the season uh that that maybe you you would feel better about hoping that they stick around because I think you know earlier in the year there would have been not much support for a heavy amount of uh, players coming back you know, for next season. And now, you know, I think you feel like there are some things you can work with uh, on this roster. And I'm just kind of curious maybe who's made a, a little bit more of an impression on you as somebody you'd really like to see be a part of things next year that maybe you didn't think that earlier.
2: Um, if anyone. Well, I think it's easy to look at J.J. Trainer. I mean, he's the, yeah. the one that comes to mind almost immediately because the game seems to be coming a little bit easier for him. He seems to be in spots where – he knows what he needs to do. There's not a serious hesitation when he's catching shots on the perimeter and pulling up. You know, he kind of knows if I get this kick out, I need to feel confident raising up and knocking it down. Um, if I'm cutting to the rim, you know, guys are looking to throw me lobs. And as he's gotten more and more of those in practice, so a few of those um, on, on Friday – He's ready for those. He's, he knows you know, when the ball is going to be delivered and how it's going to be delivered, and he's ready to finish. Um, he's attacking the glass a little bit more. So those things are all really great. Now it's how are you going to affect the game in all the other ways. Um, a guy that I, I feel like they might be unsure on probably has to do more with just mentality and attitude. I don't know. I don't know what they do with Kamari Lands. Um I think he shot the ball pretty well. I think body-wise, he's big enough, strong enough they're just he's in that bucket of when you have that tough conversation at the end of the year do you get a different level of buy-in right are you are you having conversations where hey I'm going to do things and I'm going to focus in a different way I'm going to prepare myself this offseason for a different level of competition and you know KP's been around these guys a lot right so he's going to be the one to decide hey you know I don't believe you you got to go somewhere else or Hey, you know, there's nothing you can say to me. You're going somewhere else. I'm sure there are guys on the team like that. But, you know, those two kind of come to mind early. Um, I think Mike James is an easy choice of somebody you want to keep around. For sure. I think that L. Ellis is a guy. You got to talk to him about his role because are you going to be okay with a turnover happens and you go sit down next to coach for five minutes or ten minutes because they don't like that bad turnover versus this year? You know they're not even bringing Fabio on some of these trips. Like there's no other option. You are gonna play 40 minutes, right? How does he think about and embrace a new role? So I, there are lots of guys um, that I think that they'll have conversations with and try and see where they're at with their mindset and do they want to return? Or are they ready to take it to another level? But I would look at at JJ Trainer first on that list because man, has he showed you? He's got a lot to work with just in terms of just natural ability. And, and again, KP is not, it's not his first day with these guys. So all the stuff about, hey, I want dreamers and I want guys to be reaching for the stars. And he might have been sold those things on the front end, but now you have a year of the work that these guys have put in. So the conversation is going gonna, gonna to be very different and it'd be really interesting to hear how some of these things play out when KP does get the chance to sit down with these guys and talk about what's next for them and what they're going to do differently.
3: Yeah, I I think Trainer has been objectively like the most encouraging as just sort of somebody who wasn't giving you much and you didn't sound like he was really sure how they wanted to use him and they weren't maybe necessarily sure how to use him. Uh, and physically, he can't help the fact that I think he just – his facial expression kind of looks like he's not trying hard all the time. Uh, but I think he – You hate those guys. It's not – well, I feel bad for him if nothing else, you know. Like there's nothing they can do about it, but they just give that impression sometimes. Uh, and so I, I I think I agree I, I agree with you uh, about him uh, and L L C. It would be interesting. I just I th- maybe we'll get at least some kind of uh, clarity about maybe how Kenny feels about this roster at the end of the year on how much turnover he seems to indicate that he wants and how much he feels like bringing back because if the expectation is. That they're the you know that the roster is like the single biggest issue, and that you're you're largely going to solve it by turning it over. I don't think you get to kind of turn around and bring a bunch of these guys back again either. Like it's kind of got to be if that's where the issue is, well then that's where the issue is.
2: What do you think happens with timing? Right, because KP is his tone has changed a little bit, kind of down the stretch here. Is it? I know the guys I want to keep. And outside of these, let's just say it's five guys, outside of these five, I'm telling them right away, you guys got to find somewhere else. And I'm setting the narrative out there for all the recruits, everybody who's going to enter the portal, everybody who's thinking about the portal, that we need guys to play a lot of minutes. Like, does he need to kind of right when season ends, have these tough conversations and then put it out there? Or does he go a little bit more, I guess, conservative route and try and say, you know, I know we're going to have some change, but it's all about who we can bring in.
3: I think he only does the, you know, kind of announce it right away kind of thing if he's already got, like, big fish on the hook. Like, you know, the the sooner you can hit people with recruiting hope, the better. And and there's no better proof of that than, than Scott Satterfield. Like, people were down on that dude after last year, after the previous season. And then the minute, like, you sort of had some real significant recruiting breakthroughs, people were willing to put up with a lot. Yeah they were willing to talk themselves into a lot uh, when it came to him because of recruiting. So, I, to me, I'm not really sure in, in terms of, like, departures. But the minute you've got something that I think is objective and kind of substantial in terms of a recruit, either you know a reclass or, or a flip or transfer portal person, the sooner the better because people – like, you can live off of the hope that a recruit gives for a long time.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It can be a snowball effect. Yeah. And I'll just tell you – if it's me, I go once the portal opens up, you know these coaches they have to have their like ear on the ground, they have to have their their sources getting them guys who are about to enter the portal in the portal, sure. all that stuff. but I just think if it's me, I' probably overpay to get one or two of these guys to lock in with you real early and then see what kind of snowball effect that creates. I'm with you. I think you need to get some momentum going very early on to kind of fire people up. Uh, about the future of the program.
3: Uh, let's get Kojak Card in here. Kojak Carlos, good to hear from you, buddy. Welcome into the drive. on What's up?
1: Hey, what's going on? Bro? Hey, buddy. Uh, great show as always. With Thank love you. love hearing the input that, that Luke's got on everything. And, and he kind of stole my comment on the, the one before They just got to talking about with AJ and, and about the team and the players coming back and who KP brings in for next year. And... Being a longtime Cardinal fan since the early 70s, I just wanted to comment on the thing for 2013 and when they recognized you all on that game against Clemson. To me, it brought back a lot of memories. I was laying there watching this kind of, a, don't know, full circle moment, but my one-year-old granddaughter, and I was sitting there watching it with her. Of course, she really don't know the concept, obviously, everything that's going on. But I went back to the days when I was young, going back to in the 70s to Freedom Hall, And in the 80s, and then seeing those players being celebrated, and then my son, him seeing them celebrated. And I've told Luke this before, 2013, he picked me up on his back and carried me around the living room. Those are great memories that you can't take away. And just seeing how close you guys still are on social media, how it was seeing you all there at the Young Center, I just wanted to say thanks. The closest I ever got to come to meeting you was we had come up to Kentucky on a golf trip, and was at uh, Neville Meade and I caught Van Treese on his way out after the front nine, and we were finishing up, and I got a picture with him standing there, and he, I said something about Luke, and he said, well, he's over on the 10th hole. I'm trying to catch him right now. Uh, I just wish I could have got a picture with you then, buddy, but maybe sometime we're back up in Kentucky. But the whole ACC thing and Jeff cable I mean, I live deep in the heart of S C C country. And why? I mean, Tennessee beats Bama in football, and they're smoking cigars on the field. Next year, if Bama beats them in football, and then Bama goes on to do something else, everybody down here is all SEC, SEC. To me, I think it's to the point to where when you get into a league that is comparable to that, like the ACC is, you got to win, and you got to win on a steady fashion. You got to you got to prove your point. You got you got to beat the guys that you got to beat. Paul Feinbaum's book: My team's better than yours. My conference beating our conference, and they have beat our conference. But when the ACC steps up and they start doing that on a continuous level, then you don't need that hype machine like Jeff Cape was talking about. I'll let you all guys go and listen on. Great show.
3: Appreciate it, uh, as always. Yep. Uh, look, Yeah, that's not uh, unlike what we said uh, a little bit ago. The best place for a coach to be is to not need the ACC network to do anything.
2: Right. I mean, the easy answer, especially from our perspective, is, hey, if you could win a few more games, like, I, I don't, I know they had some tough losses early on. Maybe if you don't drop that one, you guys end up all right. But, all in all, man, you know, the ACC, I, I don't understand why we don't give some credit to a conference that's won, like, 8 out of twenty, eight out of 21 national championships uh, that has the pedigree that the ACC does, that's done so well in terms of tournament success over and over again, but you know, all you can do is is kind of keep fighting for these teams. I'm I'm still a big fan of Pittsburgh's basketball team, uh, even though I didn't didn't love uh, Coach Capel's comments. But that that's just the way it is. And uh, to the caller, coolest part about reliving the memories is fans like that that have an experience of where they were, what they did, who they were with. You know, that's what that's what makes it special. And hopefully, uh, if you if you hit golf courses often around Kentucky, I'm sure you'll find me at one at some point. I hope.
3: Yeah, I. Never get tired of those stories, Luke. About like sort of what whatever is happening is like, a, you know, it's a it's a like, it's a lifetime memory for that person. And I've always kind of wondered what it, how good does that feel to hear from somebody else, you know, that something you did is like one of their mem- favorite memories of life.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's very special, and it, and it, I don't know if it means more. It probably does mean more just that everything we've been through, people still look at those memories so fondly. It, it does. And those stories, you know, you said it never gets old. That is never going to get old for me. Um, the craziest stuff that, that even happened this weekend is, uh, you know, you're walking through, you know, the concourse or whatever, or in and out of the stadium, and and people are introducing you to their kids that are named after you. Yeah, I mean, that just – it kind of slaps you when it happens, and I always – I'm very, you know, grateful or take a picture, or say hello, and try and give, you know, some kind of experience. But that right there, that's that's kind of different impact-wise. That that's um, it always kind of makes me stop for sure.
3: Oh, I, I would imagine it would be uh, the same for me. I mean, that that sounds incredible. Yeah. But, but you've been doing, you've been dealing with that for uh, for ten years now. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, again, it's not just that. I, I've always said everybody from uh, Grandfish to Gold Kids, Grand goldfish to grandkids has uh has come up to me and talked about hey yeah that named after you and that's I mean it's really special certainly more special when it's an actual kid and not a fish but um (laughs) all those memories and people again telling their story and um the fact that I had friends that went to the game with us and they said that their kids went back and they watched the uh, national championship run on repeat and watched every single game like those those kids that weren't even alive then that are getting into it and just appreciated the experience, that, it really does mean a lot, man. And uh, one, one thing on the pit thing, somebody sent yeah. in this text that I thought maybe he's doing a, like a Michael Jordan thing. Maybe he's just trying to build you know, the adversity and, and uh, you know trying to get a mental edge for his team. He's just kind of making stuff up. Maybe he really knows that we're big supporters, but he's just going to give them some, uh, some locker room bulletin board material.
3: Yeah, the, yeah. There's, there's got to be an explanation for like whatever it is. Uh, but it's not because they haven't gotten positive pub on the freaking network. Whatever his but, issue is, I it's could not just send him that.
2: 20 minutes of video. And it's not just me, right? Like Boozer has talked about Nike Sabandi a million times. I have referenced that JB Joel Berry, who sits next to me, is not the JB that we're talking about with Jamarius Burton for pittsburgh a million times like we're we're all big fans so i don't know uh maybe you just caught somebody a, on a bad day or a quick segment from something but um i could send them about 30 minutes of clips that are all very positive uh stuff about pitt and people are going to grill me about grand fish and gold kids for a while that's that's fitting yeah, that's, that's going to live for a I, while i got it's going to be yeah. double digits i deserve that yes yeah yeah uh one more text uh, i know we're going to wrap things up here real soon but have, no, you, have you seen full swing
3: I have not. It's almost so I don't have the kids
2: tonight. I intend to put my feet up and watch a bunch of it. Well, give yourself some time because I think it gets better when you get to number three. Okay. Uh, Joel Damon is hilarious and his segment is awesome. It's funny. It makes you think like, wow, these guys that are on TV are very relatable, even though they're competing in you know the highest level of their sport. They're very relatable, and uh, he's a, he's a funny one, and he's got great stories. So I've really enjoyed it all as a golf fan. Uh, But full swing, somebody sent that in and said I should check it out. I've uh, gotten to season or episode five, uh, but big fan.
3: Do you think that um, – because I think a lot of people have maybe pointed to things like this, uh, that even as it seems like they've probably weathered the live storm, at least for right now, that the Mm. the live tour kind of coming to fruition and actually happening has forced the tour to do some more things like this that are a little bit more – Promotional, and allow the players sort of a little bit more personality and marketability and that sort of thing as individuals instead of as just part of the PGA Tour, quote unquote.
2: Oh, absolutely, no doubt, no doubt. They're going to have to find ways to make the game more appealing, more exciting. Um, you know, whether that's the coverage with the Waste Management Open and the fact that you know you go to that 16th hole and y- you get it tight, or or you make a hole in one. Beer cans are going to be Flying and that it's this kind of crazy party. It's a, a different uh, atmosphere than golf is used to. Uh, they're going to find lots of ways, lots and lots of ways. You're going to hear about them over the years and, and in the next few years to make the PGA Tour uh, more of a destination. And ultimately, I, I don't think it's necessarily going to be a bad thing. Um, I'm all for the the history of golf and the tradition of golf, but you know, having um, more people that want to play and are more excited to be involved in uh, making it a not not an old man sport i guess is what i'm getting at making it something fun that people really want to get involved in at a young age that's going to be a great thing the pga tour has to without question uh, find some different avenues to number one bring in money so they can pay these athletes so they're not just going straight over uh to to the live tour but also just making it fun making their brands bigger and i think they're going to grab Tiger Woods and Rory and JT, and they're going to have challenges or let those guys make golf courses. Like, I don't know exactly what's going to go down, but I guarantee you the PGA Tour realizes they've been put on notice and it's time for them to, uh, to start to get their money's worth. Let's say that.
3: Uh, I did want to quickly uh, reference as well that it would appear – you know, we've been talking about kind of the sad state of things for the Pac-12 – Uh, You know, they got poached of their L.A. teams and then got skipped in contract negotiations where the Big 12 kind of jumped ahead of them uh, and and got their deal done. And now we've had kind of these persistent reporting leaks that really nobody in the traditional sense that we're used to watching uh, as like the broadcast partner for a conference really is interested in them. And it appears now, Andrew Marchand when, with the New York Post, who's kind of like one of the insider nerds for this stuff, that the pact 12 may very well end up entirely on Apple Plus, on Apple TV, Ugh. and and not be on your broadcast channels like you're used to with, uh, with football. And if you think about it, look, I mean, ESPN's kind of signaling, hey, we're, we're probably not going to spend quite as much on rights as we have in the past. And you've had, uh, you know, CBS and Fox are kind of, we're good with the Big Ten and and the general stuff that we've got. Like, not a lot of demand for the poor Pac 12 that could just sort of be an online throw in. And, like, I already don't watch the Pac 12 and the Pac 12 network. I I don't, I definitely wouldn't sign up for Apple TV to get it.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, this doesn't spur you to uh, go get Apple TV? It does not. It's kind of full circle for them, right? Like, wasn't the big blunder initially? Uh, and I'm drawing a blank on the AD's name at the time, but our AD, the uh, the, the, uh, Scott, commissioner, the commissioner, yes. Wasn't the big blunder with them? They basically were trying to bet on themselves and say, we can support, like, basically not using one of the big TV networks and kind of doing it ourselves. It was more yeah. um, the risk was a lot higher, but the reward was a lot higher with that, I guess, initial negotiations.
3: Yeah, what they were trying to do was, you know, the uh, the Big Ten network is owned, you know, 50% or 51% by Fox, uh, and the SEC network is the exact same thing. Uh, and they were basically trying to gamble on themselves that they'll launch a network that they run, that they own, and that when networks, when uh, providers pick it up, they'll get all the money for it instead of having to split it with an ESPN or somebody. Right. And it never happened. They never were able to get it. I, don't, any, I don't think like the,
2: they the chances are better now that uh, USC and UCLA have uh, have moved no, along. No I think kidding, we're, right? we're actually getting worse. Somebody just texted in. What about the Alliance? Oh, the Alliance.
3: Jim Phillips, very proud of his work with the Alliance, you'll recall.
2: I mean, that was like the swiftest in and out, just never heard of again, you know, and, and none of those people or presidents or commissioners or anybody, I don't think they ever really cared. Maybe Jim Phillips by himself, but they're not a whole lot there. Not at all.
3: All right. That is going to do it for us. You have been listening to The Drive on I on the Bill. See ya.